I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and there's a sudden pause in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15th hole here, driver's recommended. <laughs> is he a caveman? Because he's suddenly clubbed that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with the dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> G'day and welcome. This is Golf. Andrew Dado is my name. Good to have you with me. Uh, as you know, the podcast, we talk about the game of golf and people who play it and love it. And anyway, it's a bit weird this week because I'm on a ship uh, sailing into Darwin from Broome and I've met various passengers, but one of them is a guy called Ian Robinson, famous golfer, not famous Australian rules, football umpire, most definitely a Hall of Famer, uh, 353 games, 12 grand finals. Night C, he's given me a 15 metre penalty already. Uh, nine grand finals, and I thought it's just too good an opportunity to miss, to not share a man whose work when I was a growing child was incredibly important to our love of the game of football. Not that we loved him, but he was very important. But we're gonna, if you know what I mean. Anyway, he's terrific, and we've had a few chats over the, the uh, over this journey. So now I'd like to talk further about his. Former journey. The noise in the background, that's people and it's the ship and it's the waves. So I think you're going to really love Ian Robinson. We started, as always, talking about golf. So Ian, I know, I know you're not a full-time golfer, but what's your golf experience? Oh well, I, I tried it out when I was a lot younger. Uh, I can remember playing with a good friend of mine at Greenacres. He was a member at Greenacres and there's a whole I can't remember the, nu- the number of the hole, but it goes right along the side of the Yarra River, and it's a it's a par five. And every time I hit off, I just watch my ball go off, go, seem to go straight off the tee, and then just curl beautifully to the right and into the river. And I ended up facing opposite, you know, hitting right away from the from the hole to get away from the from the river. And I still managed to put it in every time. So I spent most of my time looking for my ball when I played golf. So you don't, and now, so you're mid seventies now. Yep. So you're not. It's not a game that you've picked up and sort of followed on in your later life. No, no. I've, I've, I still try to keep running and okay. still, you know, keep fit that way. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's one of the things about you. As an AFL umpire, incredibly fit, right? So, and you were the days, the early days of the game in terms of there was one umpire as opposed to the three there are now. Yes, yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of differences from umpiring, you know, then than now. I mean, one was just the environment they were operated in and the other one is all the rule changes that make umpiring very different. So, you know, those two aspects of umpiring are very different. Did you like the game of golf? Oh, yeah, I, I, I enjoy all sports, you know. I, I certainly would like golf if I was better at it. Yeah. But... Back in those days, I was really too busy to fit everything in. I was, uh, you know, I had a full-time job to keep going as well as all the time devoted to umpiring. Plus, I played a lot of table tennis and squash uh, competitively then, so Did had you? a pretty full life, yeah. See, now, back, so back in, the, in those days, well, yeah. squash was a pretty cool sport, mm. very popular, much more yeah. popular than now. Yeah. Table tennis, maybe not so. Yep. So that would have sort of fit into the thing of umpiring of, you know, like a, a different approach to the game, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, squash was interesting because uh, I'd get on the court against people and think, oh, gee, he's not much chopped, you know, and they'd win the first game and probably the second game, but after a while I'd be gradually getting used to their game and I'd just run down every ball and by the end I'd win in five sets and they'd come off the court thinking, how, how could I lose to him, you know? Right. So, you're com- so you're clearly competitive? Yes. Yeah. Very competitive. Yes. Right. So w- what made you go into umpiring as opposed to playing? Well, I guess I really wasn't just good enough as a player. I was I was very small. And I think if you're small, you've got to be talented. I think you can be a big player in football and not have to be that talented to do OK. Yeah. But when, if you're little, you do have to be very talented. And I just wasn't. I was average yeah. at best. And uh, one of the uh, teachers at school was an umpire in the amateurs. And he wanted some kids to umpire the, the house matches that we used to yep, play. Yep. And uh, so he started a little umpires club and I thought I'd have a, have a go. And I quite enjoyed it. Yep. So uh, from there I went and joined the Essendon District uh, Football League and rest is history, so to speak. So are you a rules-based person? Um, oh, I well, see. So given, well, yeah, like do, do rules light you up? Um, that's interesting. They don't really light. They don't, they don't really light me up. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty organised and pretty. Yeah. <laughs> you well, might, no, might call it rules based. Yeah, yeah. and thought like that. What's it? Yeah. So, I mean, umpiring is really interesting. So the umpire, you know, as we all know, controls the game. Mm. You, you're working with, as you say, you're, you're not a big man. You're working yeah. with big men. I mean, you had yeah. big Mick, Mick Nolan. You had Carl oh, Dittridge. Yeah. You had, yeah. you know, yeah. Sam Kekovich, John yeah. Nichols, yeah. Jezza. Yeah. I mean, you, you actually, are, are, well, because it's my. Uh, my my own sort of formative years, but I think you worked with some of the best players, the most interesting players in the game. Oh, there were some terrific players in those days. Obviously, that plays all, all the time. But yes, the, in, in a sense, more interesting because of the way football was played then. Yeah, you know, you couldn't play like they did in those days. Uh, now, you know, there were. Well, how did they play then? Well, it was a tougher game, and not not tougher in the sense of how hard they hit these days when they meet because that's incredible but I mean uh, macho toughness if you like if I put it that way Uh, yeah there was only one umpire so you couldn't see everything by a long way Mm. Uh, only uh, one or two games were were broadcast each each week remember there were six games just all at the same time on a Saturday that's right and it was great wasn't it and the the television stations uh, could only cover one or two of them you know and so a lot of things happened that weren't caught on TV that weren't caught by the umpires and you know those those things uh, were part of the game so to speak at that Mm. time so yeah it 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 was different now you couldn't get away with those things now no. And even you know when they, when they did have more t- 
televised games and they caught incidents on TV, they weren't allowed to show them at the tribunal, you know, to start with. So you watch Why? It. Well, I don't know. That was the rule at the time. But yeah. You tell me why. But the, I, I'd go up to the tribunal and I'd give my version of what happened. We've all seen on the TV the players that give a different version and they get off. Right. But it didn't take long till they they decide, OK, we've got to show, you know, if it's available, we need to show it to the tribunal. I think one of the reasons they didn't was because it wasn't fair to everybody. Some things were caught on TV and oh, some okay. things weren't, you know. But nevertheless, they decide, OK, if it's on TV, we'll show it. And I was actually at the tribunal for the very first time they used the TV. And I, I was actually in the first case. It was a St Kilda player. I've forgotten his name, a small player, um, who, who I reported. And they had video footage of it. I'd never seen the video footage. And the way they ran the tribunal was they asked for all my evidence first and then they showed the, <laughs> and they showed the video. <laughs> Were you right? Oh, close enough. <laughs> but, it was, but to put you under pressure... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the players are obviously under pressure. The goal umpires are most definitely under pressure mm. for that moment. It's like a, you know, when you when your kid is the goalie in the, you know, junior soccer game, and the ball's coming down, you sit there going, "Oh my god, it's coming!" Yeah. And it must be that for the goal umpires. But for the field umpire, um, it's just a relentless eighty minutes, or that was more than that. It was oh, twenty-five what? minute. This was twenty-five minute plus time on quarters. Yeah. So it's at least two hours uh, of, of running, uh, and and concentrating. In fact. I guess one of the keys to succeeding umpiring is to have the ability to really concentrate hard while staying relaxed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because you, t- you tend to think of when you're concentrating, you sort of hunch, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you, and, you, and your focus gets so so focused, if you like. Uh, and if you're like that tense, you can't, you can't operate like that for two hours under pressure. Yeah. You've got to be able to just relax but stay focused and just... And, not, not emotionally react to anything that's happening. Okay, Just, so I, I, I'm, I'm curious about not emotionally reacting. So we've seen a new rule coming this year where you can't question the umpire. You can't react to the umpire's decision in a, in a negative way because mm. it's seen as bullying and making them sad, which I think is <laughs> right. It's, it's too, I think it's too much. But, um, yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, human frailty yes. gives a reaction. But in your day, you would have been under enormous pressure from big characters... Like, yes. you know, Jacko or... Oh, so so what yeah. was it like, you know, making unpopular decisions and the, you know, Collingwood, jeez. Oh, well, you, I never heard the crowd. That that didn't bother me. You're kidding. Oh, well, sorry. I'll put it another way. You hear it all the time. Yeah. So, so you never hear it differently, if you know what I mean. You know, the, the crowd's just there as background noise the whole time because you're just focused on what you're doing. Um, but there was, there was a lot of back chat from players back in those days and... Uh, you sort of gave as good as you got sometimes, and that was sort of, uh, you know, it was, yeah, it was dealt with on the spot. Yeah. If they went overboard, yeah. if they started calling you not very nice names, you know, well then, you'd probably give them a chance to retract it, and then they would, and you'd move yeah. on. But uh, uh, no, these days it's a bit different. They they don't get to disagree at all. Who, yeah. who did Carl Dietrich headbutt? Did, didn't he hit? Did Carl Dietrich? No, was it a player no, or a? Was it Phil Carman? You know. Did he headbutt an umpire? He headbutted a boundary umpire. Yeah. Um, oh, dear, what was his name? Know him so well. Mm. Uh, you know, I've forgotten his name for the moment. No worries. I, I know him so well. But yeah. When something like that happens, yeah. does that does that then change the goalposts, as it were? Like, 
you know, like, because you sort of started seeing umpires a bit more protected after that? I don't think so. I think, you know, people just thought that was the wrong thing for Phil to have done, and yeah. as Phil obviously did too, and he, he got severely punished for it and it was dealt with, and I think people just moved on. I don't think it changed anything about, you know, reactions to umpires. I do remember <laughs> one funny little incident, if you like, when I was very young and only just started in the game, Jeff Crouch was still umpiring, very famous umpire. He reported Carl Dittrich for calling him some name, I don't know what it was. Yeah. And he gave Carl the opportunity to retract it. He said, you know, would you care to repeat that? So Carl did. Stro- <laughs> a bit stronger the second right, time. Right. So Jeff reported him and, uh, and he, he told this tri- story at the tribunal. And so he's a senior umpire and I'm just learning, oh, that's a good idea. And I can remember just the next week I was umpiring a Collingwood match and there was a um, full-back for Collingwood, a fellow called Doug Gott. Might be before your time, Andrew, I think. Yeah, eh? yeah. Anyway, Doug called me something or other and just remembering what Jeff had said, I said, would you, would you care to repeat that, Doug? And then he just he looked at me and he pursed his lips <laughs> and he said, I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't. He didn't. He just said that. Yeah. Did you have a good relationship with the players generally? Yeah, yeah. See, that's the sort of thing. I think that was, that was good. And we always met with them after the game. Yeah. When the game was over, you go and have a beer with the players. Right. You know? I can remember um, um, oh, Andrews. What's his first? Ronnie Andrews, who played for Essendon. Yeah, number four. And, another tough man. Yeah, well, he was the hardest. I can remember him coming through with elbows going and players just parting ways, you know, when he yeah. came through. But uh, oh, he whacked someone in a, in a game I did at Windy Hill. And we're having a in the aftermatch with the players after. He came over to me and bought me a beer. And he said, how am I going to get out of this? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm sure you'll come up with a good story by yeah, the time yeah. the tribunal comes around, and he did. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, so it was a little bit different. So you had yeah. players like uh, uh, Robert Muir, yeah. who was yeah. just nuts. Oh. I mean, oh. well, well, no. well he, he appeared to have rolling eyes. Well, he was, I mean, Robbie was a terrific guy off the field. You yeah. know, when I talked him off the field, he was actually quiet and... and yeah. uh, um, just white line fever? Yeah, yeah, I think that's why I think, and I'm not kidding, when he was on the ground, you didn't know what he might do. Uh, he, he seemed dangerous because he looked like he didn't care what happened to himself. You know, if he got hurt doing whatever he was going to do, it didn't matter. You got that impression at least, you know. Right. Uh, only in my second game, uh, it was between North Melbourne and uh, St Kilda, and Brent Croswell and him ended up on the ground sort of grappling. And well, Croswell was pretty tough as well, wasn't oh, yeah, he? he was, yeah. And that, those two on the ground grappling, and I'm go- I blow the whistle and try to break him up, and, and Brent, of all people, says, get him off me, he's F-mad. That <laughs> 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 Robbie Muir? Yeah. <laughs> Who was the hardest player that you, you umpired? When you say hardest, uh, my, oh, okay. my definition of that would be Lee Matthews. Yeah, okay. I mean hard, you know, just... At the ball, at any cost, you know, just just he was tough, you know. So you umpired the game when he uh, got a hold of Neville Bruns. Oh yes, that was Geelong and um, and Hawthorne at Princes Park, yeah. which at that time Hawthorne was using as a home ground. Um, yeah, that was the day when Jacko stirred them all up. Jacko ran around. Mark of, Jackson. Yeah, Mark Jackson ran around. Um, you know, whacked a couple of players early and got the game stirred up somewhat. And, uh, yeah, then there were a few old scores settled, I think, on that day. I think that was one of them. Okay. Yeah. So when... And, and that ended up in court, didn't it? So mm. that was a, that became a civil yes. a civil case. Mm. But, you know, when you're trying to control 36 
or is it what is it 40 young men yeah and they're generally you know young men in their prime of their lives mm-hmm. and full-on well i mean what's that like oh well it's it's tough early you know you one of the things we used to talk a lot about as umpiring was control you had to get control of the game early you know because if you didn't pay the free kicks that were there early on and players got a bit upset and they start running at each other a bit with a bit more ferocity than perhaps they normally do okay. you've got to get it back in control and there's only one of you you know you're the one that's doing that so it was very important early on just to set the tone you know just the way you wanted the game to run if you like okay. and it always meant for me at least paying all the free kicks that were there people talk about letting the game flow in fact if you pay virtually every free kick they settle down very quickly and get on with the game, you know, and you don't yeah. end up paying many free kicks, if you know what I mean. Okay. But if you're not paying them early on, you're sort of letting it flow, if you like, yes. right from the Well, start. That, that's what they talk about now. It so then gets out of hand, yeah. you know. So well, lots of, well, in those days it did. Yeah, yeah. well, lots of yeah. rules have changed now to, to increase the, the flow of the game. Yes. Um, and when really, the, so the umpire does actually control, in a sense, the speed of the game. Yes, yes, by the free kicks they pay. Yeah. And in fact, I still believe that... Uh, if you like missing free kicks or not paying, you know, uh, I don't know. To, to me, if you pay the obvious free kicks, the game flows much better yeah. uh, than just letting things it's go. It's the Tiggy Touchwood ones. I know, you don't want to pay those. There's still got to be a free kick. It's yeah. got to be always. And that's one of the, what makes a, an umpire, a good umpire, if you like, just being able to judge what, what's, a good, what's a free kick. But you don't want to miss any of them that are free kicks, okay. not Tiggy Touchwood ones. What's it like umpiring a grand final? I made a mistake in the intro there and said 12. I gave you three too many. Only nine. No, only nine. <laughs> <laughs> What's the responsibility like of a grand final? Well, it's interesting, you know, because if you're a player playing in a grand final, it's huge because you don't know the outcome at the start, you know. Oh, and you do. I do. I know the outcome for me, you know, because oh. I... I oh, wow. yeah, yeah, see, I, I've been appointed. I've won. This is my grand final. That, that, that's it. So now I just go out and, if you like, enjoy it. You know, I, I can't lose, if you like. Yeah. I could lose if I stuff the game up. Yeah. But you're not likely to do that. You know, it's a big occasion. You know what you're doing. You are relaxed because you're not, you're not thinking about winning or losing. You know, you've... Because uh, you've already had you, your win. You've been appointed. You, you've won the grand final. Well, so I mean, just go you out never thought of it that way. Yeah. Because yeah. if you've got... Uh, so that um, the first drawn, the drawn grand final with... North Melbourne, Collingwood. So I watched the end of that today before oh, yeah. speaking to you. I watched it this morning. Yeah. And uh, and so Billy Pickin kicks the ball to to Dunn. Yeah, lost Dunn. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a sort of a header in the Wikipedia thing about a head, sort of which made me think of it that you called the mark. Yeah. So I watched the mark as closely as I could to make sure yeah. to see if it was a clean and it was a was not necessarily a clean call. Well, it was a. It was actually a clean mark, but it was a very difficult one to call. Yeah, that's what I mean. It, it was a, I mean, a whole pack of players went up. Mm. And I can, I can remember to this day, my eyes were just focused right on the ball and the hands, and I could see that two hands in amongst all of those hands got a good purchase, a real purchase yeah. on the ball. But I didn't know who it was. I just, my eyes just followed his arms down, yeah. and it joined up with Twiggy Dunn. <laughs> it sounds funny, doesn't it, to think no, no, you've got to do that with yeah, a mark. Yeah. But I, I, I've seen that replay since, and Lou Richards was calling. Yeah, and they said and nothing about it. They, they didn't know who marked it. They, they, I'm sure. I, well, you just watched it. I, yeah, no, he said I, it, someone's got it. Yeah, that's someone's right. taken a mark. Someone, that's what, exactly they, what they said. Yeah, they didn't know who it was. But what yeah. I was yeah. secretly hoping would happen is that they would question the umpire's decision oh, right. in the commentary, right? right. So then yeah. I could ask you, but 
there was no there's no question as to what you had called. No. They just didn't actually see who who the no, had their hands on the footy. No, but if you look at the replay, you can see he did mark. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And and look, and then it's a tie for most people. Yeah, you know, that's just a mark. Uh, any decision, any umpire could pay, but you could so easily get that wrong. Of course, in the in the last moments of a grand final, when the scores are level, mm. you know. So that's the pressure that you're under, and you just you just pay the things as you go. You know? Because if you hadn't called it, yeah. or if you got it wrong, yeah. I can't imagine the Collingwood Army would be terribly. No, <laughs> I mean, what are the fans like? What's it in that sense? And the, and. So, do, do different clubs have different fans? Well, <laughs> supporters back then. I can tell you, uh, the St Kilda ground down at Moorabbin wasn't a happy ground for umpires. We, right. <laughs> I can remember, you go through the race there, and I have to say, you get umbrellas poked at you, you get <laughs> spat at, you get you know all sorts of things. And I remember another game when Johnny Russo and I, with some, by then it was the two umpire system. And uh, Johnny Russell was doing one of his first few games with me, and I was quite experienced by then. He was a young bloke. And it, again, it was a pretty close game, and St Kilda had lost. And we're coming off the ground together, and I said, Now, look, when you get to about 20 metres from the race, I said, We're going to take off. We're just going to run. And, and we just run. And I said, Just run straight up the race, OK? And so, so we're just walking off together like this. And then John took off and ran up the Collingwood race. <laughs> you ran up the wrong race. <laughs> you had to come out again <laughs> and go up the one that oh, we were funny. supposed to go up. Yeah. yeah. So the St Kilda fans were the worst. Well, at the that, hardest at that, at that time. time. At that time, at, at Moorabbin. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, the field umpires and the boundary umpires as well. Is it all the umpires involved in the Brownlow Medal votes? Uh, not when you say involved. No, it's only the field umpires, of course, who give the votes, yeah. but. And I guess, I don't know what they do these days, but for me, I always used to discuss with the, the boundaries and the goals at the end of each quarter just who they thought was going well and you know, just so they had it in mind and just, yeah. I'd just be reminded myself and I'd, I'd say who I thought was going well, what did they think and so on. So I, I got feedback from them uh, and then just made up my own mind, of course, at the end. Yeah. I don't know what the three umpires do these days. Yeah. And would, were you always happy with the Brownlow? I mean, because, you know, who... I mean, because there's always someone who's not going to win and there's always someone in the paper going, oh, I think I should have won. And, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, people have to remember it's a, it's a different perspective. It's the umpire's perspective yeah, of the game. and it's the fairest and best. Yeah, yeah. That didn't weigh me too much. I mean, there'd be some players, I suppose, you'd really have to get reported to not be fairest, I think, in most cases. But... Um, uh, the umpire's perspective is quite different than sitting on the outside and watching. Um, you're not likely to pick up, you know, constantly good defensive play, you know, okay. by, by, by a key backman, unless he's taking lots of intercept marks or something, you know. You, you, you're not going to pick that up. So it's just a different perspective, and it is the umpire's perspective. And I think what makes it special is it's, it's a totally unbiased perspective, and that, that's why it's, it's good, you know. Yeah. Most other people have... Um, who are, who are awarding votes or ex-players or, or connected to clubs at some stage or something or other. And, you know, I'm sure they're trying to be objective, but they're not necessarily objective. Uh, you would hope that the umpire view at least is objective. OK. Did you have a best... I mean, it's ridiculous, 350-odd games. Did you have a best game? Like, well, before you answer that, did you have bad games? Oh, certainly. <laughs> well, the first game I did was at the MCG... 
uh, first round of 1971, uh, South Melbourne and Melbourne. And it was a very easy game. Melbourne won by about 100 points or something like that. Mm. And uh, I thought, this is a piece of cake. You know, I'm playing VFL football. And I got a very good report from the umpire's board man at the time. And I was away. And the second game I had was St Kilda and North Melbourne down at Moorabbin. The same one when Croswell and Muir got involved in this tangle and so on. And oh dear, I I knew by half time it was out of control. I I didn't have control of the law. It was sort of running itself and I wasn't, I just... You're running after it. I I just, I I just, you just knew I didn't really have control of the game. And and, and you only, you're by yourself, you've got no one else to talk to. And I just thought... I've got to get out there and just start paying free kicks. I've really got to get this game under control. Yeah. Well, hang um, on. So what did you do at half-time? I really just talked to myself, if you like. But what, like... That I, 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 I wasn't umpiring as I should. Yeah. And I've really got to get hold of this because it's going to get right out of control if I don't. You know, the way they they were running at each other was ferocious. But mm. at, at, at half-time, yeah. when the players go in and they talk to their coach and whatever, what, is, yeah. what do the umpires do? Do you go into a, your umpire's room and talk to each other or we, we have no coach it was just well they do these days yeah. they've even got them wired up talking in their ear during the game yeah. but um barry make sure number seven gets another one <laughs> thanks barry <laughs> no you're totally on your own and uh um i mean normally unless you had a very experienced boundary or goal umpire which they wouldn't be telling you your job and telling you you're not doing well or you've got to do something or other so you wouldn't get that happening some of the goalies in those days were ex-field umpires that were very very experienced but no, normally you're on your own and uh, you just got to sort it out and I uh, I realised this was no good I had to do something and I just went out and I just paid a lot more freeze basically and it settled down it was alright after that I still got a terrible report <laughs> so so <laughs> So when you get con- then you pay freeze, get control of the game. There's then are you are you aware of the crowd sort of turning on you then for awarding more free kicks? Because I'm assuming they do. I, mean, well, I know they do because I go to the footy and I watch them and you f***ing white maggot, you. I mean, you must have been called some things. I, I assume so. I mean, I, I don't hear them. Yeah, great. I really don't hear them. You're just, you're just you're in a you're in a zone. Yeah. And there's constant noise and background. In fact. It's interesting now that I do talk about that because towards the end of my career was when they introduced teams from Adelaide and West Coast, yeah. you know. Um, and, yes, I umpired games, say, in in, uh, in Perth where it was all totally one-sided barracking. And you know, I'd, I'd pay a free kick to West Coast and all cheer and I'd pay a free kick to the other side and just get nothing, you know, or, yeah, right. or, or something would happen to the other side where they should get a free kick and you hear nothing, you know. So you're tested in your concentration okay. when it's like that, you know. That, that, that's true. So in that sense, I guess you hear the, yeah. the, the crowd. You've got to block them out mm. because it's so totally one-sided. Yeah. But normally, um, you know, in all those games just in Melbourne, between two Melbourne-based Melbourne sides, it was just noise. Okay. That's it. Do you think you had a best game? Uh, I think maybe 1985 grand final. Um is that Essendon? Ma- and Hawthorne. Yeah. Um, maybe just... I'd missed out on the grand finals for the previous couple of years, and I was a bit shitty, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I decided... Who got him? Bill Della. Oh, Rowan Soares. Oh, uh, Rowan. Glenn James, yeah, Glenn Neville James. Nash. You know, people I like Glenn yeah, James. He was yeah, good. Yeah, he was. Very good. <laughs> I could tell you another story. At one stage, I did a... A country grand final 
in um, oh Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton Imperials and somebody from Mount Gambier. Uh, and at that time I'd umpired about five grand finals and Glenn was still up and coming and he wasn't in the seniors he wasn't in the uh, VFL at that time he, he was doing country games and the uh, players from Hamilton Imperials had won and they all met outside the town hall and there was a reception no sorry all the, all the spectators were outside the town hall there was a reception inside for the players and the umpires were there so Glenn and I were both there and uh, whoever was the MC was introducing the players one at a time and the crowd's roaring every time the player comes up. And having done that, they came to the umpires and said, oh, and the umpires were over here too. And they called over Glenn James and said, Glenn James, everybody roared and cheered. And then the MC leaned over to Glenn and said, what's your mate's name? It's <laughs> 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 <That's> funny. <laughs> So that's how well Glenn James was known, you know, yeah, right. particularly in the bush. Yeah, yeah. yeah. terrific. Um, where do you see the game now, in uh, favourably compared to when you were? Oh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of it. Like I go on for a long time about the differences. Uh, in one sense, it's easier to umpire, and that is that sort of control aspect's almost not there now. You know, because the players don't do the things now yeah. that they used to do. You know, um, but decision making is I think is much harder you know just the way the rules are written now is much harder for the umpires um, I'll give you a couple of examples for me if two players were preparing to go for a mark and one player pushed the other one aside and then went for the ball that was a very easy decision for us that's a free kick because we we're instructed their attention had to be on the ball so you had to be trying to mark the ball or punch the ball. If you were, if you were trying to defend, you, you can punch it all right. Yeah. Uh, but you couldn't defend by pushing the player first or edging the player out and then going for the mark. It had, if you made contact with the player while you were trying to mark, well, that's OK, that's incidental. Yeah, you'd have to have hands up or something. Yeah, but you couldn't, you couldn't deliberately, even subtly, try to get the player out of the way first and then try and mark the ball. These days you can you, you can do very unsubtly. You just just mm. put two hands on him and shove him out of the way, and then mark the ball. Yeah, as long as it's not in the back, right? Well, as long as it's not in the back, and as long as it's reasonable. With inverted that, commas. That, that's the way the that's the way the rules written. You know now, um, you know. So I don't know what's reasonable. I don't know how the umpires are instructed. Yeah. But I think it's very hard to decide. And sometimes you see a player get pushed aside, and then the ball's marked, or they pay a free kick. Yeah. Most often player gets pushed aside, they mark the ball, they call it a mark, and they say, you know, he, he got, got rid of the player well, you know. Yeah. So I don't know how they're instructed on that particular interpretation, but it's just that much harder yeah. than, you, than when I umpired. You were head of umpiring for a while? Uh, I was never the head of umpiring, but I was the umpire's coach. They had a director what's the difference? ahead of me. Oh, okay. so, so Bill Della was the director of umpiring when I was there. And I was the I was the coach of the of the uh, of the senior umpires. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Do you and still, they still have that now? The the director of umpiring is a is a non umpire person these days, uh, and then the coach is an umpiring person yeah. under that. Yeah. You would have um, been interested, I guess, when they started bringing QCs into uh, the tribunal to get <laughs> you know clubs with means bringing in a you know big QC to go. I oh, know. Well, my God, he didn't. You know, yeah, I mean, it sort of really changed, didn't it? Sort yeah. of well, in fact, for a lot of the time when I was umpiring, the tribunal chairman was a QC, okay. and he, um, uh, I've 
had to mention his name, but it was almost impossible to get anybody suspended in those days. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, right. Uh, I can remember, like, the 85 grand final. Um, it started off with a, a major melee on the, on the wing. Um, Dermot Brereton was at full forward. The melee's on the wing. He's run full ball from, uh, from full back, uh, full forward, sorry, and he's charged into the pack and he's landed in the middle of uh, Paul Vanderhaar's back with his knee. Whoosh, you can just imagine what that's like. So I reported him for that. Yeah. Uh, later on in the game, um, uh, Eston half forward flanker, oh, uh, Mark Harvey. Yeah. He, he's taken a chess mark. The ball's at front of him, he's leading out, he's taken a chess mark right here. Burton's behind him and he's come through with his fist out in front of his, his, uh, his body and he's hit Mark Harvey plumb in the back of the head with his fist as Mark Harvey's take, hunched over taking a chess mark. So I'm reporting for that too. Right. He got off both of those. Uh, when you looked at the film that they showed on the TV, at the time Mark Harvey took his chess mark, he's the only person in the picture. After he's taken the mark, you see this arm coming into the picture <laughs> <laughs> and this fist going into the back of his head. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Dermot argued he was just trying to spoil. Yeah. And uh, the tribunal accepted that he was just trying to spoil. So that, that's what it was like. Yeah. You know? So Dermot would have yeah. been actually one of the hardest cases you would have yeah. had to deal with as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, very good player. Oh, Ter- yeah. Terrific player. But, but he's he, a big guy. Like, he's a big man, oh, you know. Yeah. And, and, and he played it tough. Yeah. 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 Very t- yeah. So what about, sorry, <laughs> I talk to you all day. The, um, when, when there's a melee on, mm. you know, so mm. that melee in the 85 grand final, and you've got literally 20 players not all throwing haymakers, a lot of jumper yeah. grabbing and jumper punches and stuff like that. Yeah. But what's the strategy on trying to... Well, initially, in, in the very early days, you got in amongst it and you tried yeah. to sort them out. Right, you like, <laughs> like an old cop. Oi, oi, oi. And then we, we were instructed, no, just stand back yeah. and just watch it and just report in, anything you see. So that's what we used to do. we just stand back. But the players are aware of that too. And you're right, it was mostly jumper pushing and yeah. grabbing and you know, a bit of wrestling and so on. It was rare to actually see punches thrown. And so we'd just stand back and watch. And if you saw one, well, that's what you'd report yeah. and otherwise not. But, did you, uh, so did you call it a jumper punch? Uh, you know the one where they... Yeah, I know, I know. I don't recall them in, in, in our day, really, but I've certainly seen them since. Yeah, yeah they okay. used to do that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tell you another thing. <laughs> it's, so many things have changed. In, in those early days, umpires didn't have 
a little notebook and a pencil, for instance, to write, you know, when you report yeah. somebody, you pull your little notebook out of your sock and you, you write it down with your little pencil. We didn't have any of that <coughs> when we started. I had a game at Essendon, between Essendon and Carlton at Windy Hill. I reported eight people that day. <laughs> I obviously lost control that day. <laughs> but I reported eight people and there's no pencil and paper. You're running around in your head saying two hit 25 and <laughs> three, three of the other side Calling hit 12, bingo. you know, and so on. You've got eight of them going around your head, you know, and you've got to remember this while you try to umpire the game. Mind you, they didn't all happen in the same quarter. A lot of them happened at the same time, yeah. so I know at half time I wrote them down. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so many things were different. Yeah. <laughs> what about the moment when you turn a player around and, you know, like you do that, turn yeah. them around and take yeah. their number? Yeah. And there's that really demonstrative thing of, you know, and then you'd crowd and die. Oh, oh. Oh, that, that's obviously like, is that kind of fun for an umpire? Well, I don't know about it's fun, but it's letting everybody know that you've done it. That's yeah. the point, you know, so to calm the players down. OK, I've reported someone. And I guess all the fans know, too, it's very clear that the player didn't get away with that, you know, yeah. you've reported him. Yeah. So it, it is a, a bit of a performance, you know, to yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things as kids with the umpire, all the, the, the big the big movements, which is obviously is to let everyone know exactly, you know, the, the big push in the back yes. and... You know, yes. so. Well, I mean, you know, when Harry Bartzell was the coach of umpires, and I've got to be careful, I shouldn't say too much about well, Harry, but ha- Harry wasn't the best coach of umpires. He, um, I can remember him telling us very clearly, though, if you've got a pack and you know, a lot of players in there and you can't see anything, he said, just blow your whistle, <laughs> give a really demonstrative push-in-the-back signal and back off, he said, and everybody will believe you. <laughs> right. I mean, we just ignored him. But anyway, that's, yeah. that, that was indicative, at least, you know, if the signal's demonstrative, yeah. everybody knows. Yeah, and yeah. it's all about control. So it's, it's interesting, you know, that I wonder if, you know, most people know that or realise that now. Like, it's about, well, I, I don't know, I'd never thought about an umpire con- literally controlling a match and, and the pace of it. So, yeah. Um, Control is more about getting a feel for the match, yep, yep. And, and then and letting it go once you've got it yep. under control. If you know what I mean, you know, and and uh, just knowing to pay the major free kicks, not yep. not the tiggy touchwood ones. And then it just when when the players have then got confidence, they they know how it's running, okay. and they and they feel free just to play footy. It's good. So it's, it's like it's a little bit like parenting, really, right? No, no, yeah, really, yeah, like yeah, in every yeah, sense, it's, it's like having yeah. it's like having little kids. And going, kids, these are the rules, right? Because yeah. kids like rules. Yeah. And so young men, boys, yeah. these are the rules. Yeah. This is how it's going to work. Play within this. Yeah. We're all going to be fine. Yeah, but you've got some discretion, you see, when you need to. Yeah. You know, that's it. So you you work it out when it's a bit line ball or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Who do you follow? Uh, the Western Bulldogs. I didn't while I was umpiring, obviously. But you, <laughs> well, you couldn't, you know. Uh, yeah. Plus, well... <laughs> It might not have been obvious, but the Western Bulldogs were footscray in those days. Didn't win anything when I was umpiring. Yeah. Uh, I even, I even umpired the under nineteen grand final uh, in nineteen sixty eight on the MCG back well, in the days yeah, when, when you had the under nineteens and in the reserves and yeah. the seniors. And footscray played Richmond in the under nineteen grand final that day, but they lost. So that so I wasn't any help to them. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, and what about the juggle of work and? Um family and umpiring, all yeah. big things to be running at the same time. Yes, um, well, I terrific support from my wife, Robin, she yep. supported me all the way along, so that, 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 was, that was good. Um, my work was at university, I, um, 
I used to work my way through the ranks, ended up as a professor at uh, university, and I had a very, very busy job at the end because uh, I was head of a big department and a big school and uh, deputy dean of the faculty and so on. So it was very busy then. But when I was umpiring, I was still at the sort of lecture and senior lecturer level, and it gave you a lot of freedom. So you still worked hard, worked long hours and so on, but they were never fixed hours. Right. You, you, it wasn't a nine-to-five job. Yeah, it was a seven-day job, just yeah, about, yeah. but you just fitted in, okay. you know, so you could fit training in. And it was a good release, too, from the hard work at the university to get out and train. Was a, it was a nice release as well. Okay. Yeah. Just one last thing. Did you ever go on World of Sport? And they had a, they had a segment, I don't know if you remember, Robin, they had a segment, uh, what... You know, what's, what's my decision? Your, what's your decision? What's your decision? That's it. Many times. Yeah. So how is that? Well, what was interesting? The only ones they picked. Okay, it. Just so what? Just so if you don't know what it is, they'd sit, they'd, they'd get an umpy in and then they'd play a dubious free kick or something that was sort of borderline, and then there'd be a panel and they'd all talk about it. Then you'd have to say why you made that decision. That's right. And the problem with it was, you said dubious, they only ever picked out errors. You know? yeah, right. <laughs> you know? and, then, and then the umpires, uh, well, the people in charge of the umpires complained to them and said, look, you know, if you're just going to keep you know, picking out errors, I mean, the umpires are going to make errors in a game. It's easy enough just to pick out a few errors and highlight them. We're not really interested in, in keeping coming on if that's what you're going to do. So they then did, you know, start some to mix it up. So you had some close decisions, some interesting ones because they're unusual mm. or... Um, uh, yeah, and, and some errors, but some good decisions. So it was better in those days. You get a chance to explain the rules yeah. rather than just be shown up for making an error. Yeah. You know, that was, so that was good in the end. That, that worked out well. Yeah, it was good. Well, look, you're a Hall of Famer um, and obviously one of the greats in footy uh, and certainly in umpiring, but also just great things for the game. So thanks for your time. I really appreciate it, Ian. Oh, yeah. And, no you know, pleasure to cruise with you. Oh, yeah. Did you enjoy the cruise? Oh, I did indeed, yes. I was, uh, there's so many things to remember. There, there's not a lot happens on any one day, but each thing that does happen is very memorable. Yeah. Um, fascinating, the, the Aboriginal history here, yeah. uh, which you learn so much through the rock art and through meeting the people. But some of the scenery, I mean, when we, when we went down King George uh, River yesterday, yeah. that's glorious, isn't it? Yeah. The, those walls of sandstone on either side of the river, just spectacular. And horizontal falls, yeah. all the birds out at the Lassipedes, that was just superb. Yeah, Montgomery Falls. Yeah. I'll just say we're on Le, Le Barouze, uh, which is a ponant ship. And, uh, yeah, it's been really terrific. Yeah. Hey, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it, Robin. Thanks for learning him to me. Um, really good. Good. Thanks, Andrew. How good is that, umpire Ian Robinson? Field umpire. Uh, look, I know it wasn't golf. Right? There was a little bit of golf, but I, I hope you enjoyed the, uh, the chat around the AFL. Uh, if you've got someone that you reckon is uh, good for a few stories, let me know. You can contact me on Instagram at Andrew Datto. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening, and thanks to Ian and his wife, Robin. And I'll tell you, this cruise, woof, it's something else. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.